The RPG Caves Mana is fueled by patrons at patreon.com slash Capri, and we want to say thank you to everyone for all of their support, including our Capremium producers, Dallas Ford, Drew Agnew from the House of Mario podcast, Jace Baldridge from twitch.tv slash Baca Ridge, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team, and Jonathan Brown over at youtube.com slash gamingpurplemonkey. Our platinum producers, Brian Scott, Robbie Miller, and Trucker Sloth. Our gold members, Argo, Brendan Myers, Dallas Robbins, Emily O'Kelly, Heather Boney, James Johnson, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Benji Kong, Marcus O'Neill, RJ Kern, Dano, Skinny Matt, and Xavier Reyes. Thank you all for all of your support. Now, on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the RPG Cave. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Turford, along with you on your journey. Of course, I'm your level 99 Archmage. I'm joined by my level 99 Ranger, Mr. Garrett Bland, the blandest of explosion. Garrett, how are you doing today? Hello. How's it going, man? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to get into this podcast and and talk a lot about RPGs. Nothing but RPGs, man. I mean, just RP- all RPGs all the time. That's, of course, what the what the kids signed up for with this podcast. I mean, honestly, exactly. Garrett, you and I just, even though we've never really done a podcast before, I've always felt like there's like, we have this special connection in the sense that we both are like total dorks about RPGs. But yeah, like, yeah, we have this sneaky aren't. connection behind everyone else. Is like, we, we, we got to make sure everyone else play these games. I mean, now. everyone else is funny them. too when we like talk about either Atelier or Final Fantasy and go on these <laughs> long diatribes. And it's just now, now I feel like it's perfectly fitting that you and I get together and, and do this exciting episode of this very first podcast that I'm excited to dedicate just to RPGs. Of course, Garrett and I's favorite genres, of course, being RPGs. So here we are, Garrett. We're finally doing the RPG Cave, a podcast you and I have yes. kind of been dancing around for a while. It, it actually kind of started out as a joke on Twitter, yeah. on, on, I think on a Twitch stream where we joked, oh, Garrett, what, you and I one day will do like this PlayStation Vita podcast where we'll talk all oh, about Vita RPGs <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it just, that spiraled into this big idea to do this RPG podcast. So ultimately mm-hmm. the, this podcast each and every week, um, we're not going to be doing news on this show at all. It's very much going to be like a topic based show, very evergreen mm-hmm. show where we're going to each week, we're going to bring an RPG topic to the table. Um, or yeah. we're going to talk about a specific game or franchise, um, like persona, like chrono trigger, um, which are some of the ones we've got coming up. Um, we'll also be doing like an E3 prediction kind of like preview episode in a few weeks as oh, well. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. so look forward to that as well as we're kind of going to do kind of a reactions episode to like all the big news from E3 that has to do with RPGs because we know Square Enix and a bunch bunch of other companies are going to be there, but it's very much going to be like a very chill show about some of our favorite franchises and RPGs out there and, and kind of what I wanted to get across with this show. And and one of the reasons why I really wanted to do it is one, I love talking about RPGs. I love playing RPGs, but most Mm. of our co-hosts, don't really love talking don't. about RPGs. They don't uh, like to talk about much about it, at least, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to have like an outlet for us to be able to talk about that. Not only that, but I, I love being able to expose people to games maybe that they've never heard of before yes. um, and series, because I know, for example, we've already put a list together of some of the franchises and stuff that we want to talk about, and some of these, like, I've never played any of the games from, for example, and I've mm-hmm. played a lot of RPGs, so um, I love learning about new games, and I love being able to tell people about games that maybe they've never heard of or never thought to try, but maybe go want to go pick up and, and see for themselves and see if they're really fun. So those are the type of things I'm really looking to try and get out of this show. And I hope everyone is mm-hmm. just really interested in coming along for the ride with us. Uh, Garrett, what about you? Kind of uh, what, what made you want to join the show with me besides, you know, uh, me trying to beg <laughs> and plead for you to come on the show? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm really happy to join this type of show because I think I need to catch up on certain classic and big RPGs that I've kind of missed throughout like the past uh, 10 or 15 years. Um, so I'm I'm happy to catch up and, and talk about uh, games such as like Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, um, 
Golden Sun, like all these types of Chrono Trigger very recently that once I wrap that up. Um, and yeah, w- what I want to get across with this show as well is, you know, not, not too much of a spoiler cast into these games, but more in like, okay, what do you expect out of this game? Mm-hmm. What kind of art style, what kind of music are you like in? What kind of systems mechanics are we talking about for mm-hmm. this game? And we want to describe it to you, the audience. I know some of you are huge, avid RPG fans that are probably playing way more RPGs than me. And then there's some that just don't touch them at all. And we want to like give everyone that that good content for for everyone to enjoy so whether we're talking about specific series or we dive into certain topics of like what is an rpg or something along the lines of that um i want to make sure that you guys really do enjoy our thought-provoking i don't know conversations about it and just have fun with us yeah for for sure and 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 going back to your point as well like also i love with when we talk about bigger series one of the best things for us to talk about is like where should people start because like a yeah. game, like a series like Final Fantasy, for example, can be really daunting for people because there's like 50 games in that series. Where there's should someone <laughs> actually start with that with Final Fantasy or even something like Dragon Quest? Like, should you start at Dragon Quest 11? Do the games actually feed into each other story lies? Um, do mm-hmm. I need to pl- catch up and play all these older games? Like that's I think that's important stuff to talk about, too in the context yeah. of a lot of series and not only that, but I, I love talking about the history of games too. I mean, I, I have, that's the part of the reason why I do like the roundabout or the crossroads on the Xbox drive. Um, because mm-hmm. I love talking about kind of how some of these games came about. And I think that's going to be important too, for us to talk about as well and kind of give context as well as to maybe why some of these, these games, for example, uh, maybe were important at, at, when they came out or maybe yeah. why some of them maybe flew under the radar when they came out and you may not have heard of them. So yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And again, I hope people enjoy the journey that we go on. Yeah, sounds good. So before we get into the show proper, because we got a lot to talk about on this week's show, um, we're going to clear the dungeon a little bit. See see what I did there? This is our housekeeping segment, yeah. of course. We don't want to be boring and call it housekeeping. We're going to call it that. If you would like to support the show, if you like what we do, of course, you can support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash you, Capri. You can get early access to the show as well because it goes up every Thursday for early access and then every Saturday for all the free feeds. Um, so if you have some bucks to toss, you can head over there. You also get exclusive content. Um, because we have exclusive shows on the Patreon as well as early access to all of our other shows. So you're not going to miss out on that. Also, you can find us on YouTube. Um, I'm not going to read out the YouTube thing. It's YouTube.com <laughs> slash a whole bunch of gobbledygook. Um, eventually, it'll be YouTube.com slash the RPG game when we get 100 subscribers. So if you want to watch the video version nice. of the show, um, you can support us there for free. Just hit the old subscribe button. You'll see whenever uh, we post a new video. Also, you can support us on your podcast feed of choice by either rating us leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff goes a long way in kind of helping us out and helping us grow um, this very exciting prospect and this very exciting show that I think we, we're going to have for you. So I hope you want to stick around for this amazing journey that we're going to go on with, uh, with Garrett and myself. So Garrett, you ready to party up? Ready to go through all of these so many questions from the community? I'm, I'm ready to go through level one, man. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm ready to go through the first dungeon. Let's right. do it. Awesome. So, of course, we reached out to for to uh, people on Discord for questions this week. Um, basically, for every episode, questions are not going to be a huge part of the episode. But this first episode, mm-hmm. obviously, we wanted to be kind of more of a Q&A and kind of getting to know me and Garrett a little bit and kind of, you know, how we got into RPGs and stuff like that, too. So um, we will put out questions, though, for each episode. So that'll either be on Twitter at the RPG cave on Twitter. Cause Garrett, we're on Twitter. I don't know if you knew that, but, uh, um, oh, really? we'll, we'll be tweeting out a question link on Twitter <laughs> where you can either leave us questions there. Or if you join the Yumi and Capri discord, we'll have uh, a, a, a tab basically where you can add us, ask us questions there. Um, mm-hmm. the link to join that of course is in the show notes, regardless of where you're watching in case you want to join there. So we're going to start with Yarden on discord yeah. and this is going to kind of be our big topic for the show in fact funny enough this was actually the topic that i pitched to garrett before we even started asking for questions and we got a question that exact asked exactly what our topic is first yes. of all just want to say congratulations to both you and the entire you me and capri family there is only one episode one so let's off start off the journey right first rpg you ever played first rpg that got you hooked on rpgs so what i kind of wanted mm. this main episode to be about is kind of like how we got into rpgs because everyone's journey about how they get into rpgs it's very different like i know garrett you and i have like 
very different stories it's as to how we found different stories, RPGs. I think. So since yeah. I've talked for a while, Garrett, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> how did you get into RPGs? Because I think your story is pretty fascinating. Yeah, so with RPGs, now, now being my well, one of my favorite genres now in video games, I think it, it starts off, and I think a lot of people start off this way, um, playing that little Game Boy Color or, okay. or the regular old Game Boy. Uh, you know, Jap- first RPG ever, it's like the drug way. Basically, it's Pokemon, the series. Mm-hmm. I think um, that game does a really good job of easing anyone in into the series. It's a very popular series, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love how I, you know, first off, have my own character, have my own trainer. You can name it, and you capture all the Pokemon you want, and there's just so much freedom with those Pokemon moves going through that story. And that's honestly how I got... I, I didn't really get hooked in RPGs. I got hooked into Pokemon. Okay. For sure. Yeah. And I was uh, a dumb little kid and I did not know there were other RPGs out there. I didn't know there was the Final Fantasies, the Dragon Quests, the Golden Suns, like, and that, that really sucks. And the Chrono Trigger is the one I'm playing right now. Yeah. Um, so later in life, I would say um, around 2011, actually. So way later, actually. I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm a late bloomer for RPGs. <laughs> of course. Um, one of the games that I got and I didn't know I was going to enjoy so much is Skyrim, um, The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Um, initially, I played that game. I did not know what it was whatsoever. Um, went through a first hour of it. I'm like, ah, I'm not really interested in this. And then like probably six months later, I really got into like maybe five or six hours. And I'm like, I am completely hooked into this game, into this genre. I love making my own character and making my own story with it. I love how in that, in that game, there was so much freedom to do whatever. You can just go off in any direction and just go for it. And like, you'll have so many, just such a good time, so many quests. I actually go back to it every now and then on my Xbox. Uh, it, it runs flawlessly now with the FPS boost. Um, but yeah, like I think those are the two pinnacle RPG games that really got me hooked in. And then the last one I want to say that hooked me into more JRPGs is Persona 4 Golden. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, so uh, I got my Vita from actually a friend of mine. He His parents gave him like all the PlayStation Portable and PlayStation Vita, but he didn't really play the Vita, so he just gave it to me. And I'm like, cool, I'll take it. Um, I'm getting into these games, and I heard Persona 4 Golden was really, really good. And so... Um, I grabbed that early around 2014 and I remember just spending endlessly in that game. I think I, the, the best part about it was the characters, the development there. Um, it was a kind of, a uh, like a different RPG in a sense of it's more linear. You're on a strict timeline, uh, but there are dungeons, there are stuff to do and you have a freedom of choice throughout mm-hmm. the whole uh, school year. So yeah, I would say those are my three, like most like influential RPGs is Pokemon, the series Skyrim and persona Four golden. Dude, that's awesome. Yes. That's such a weird journey, especially cause there's like so much time probably between all of the Pokemon games you probably played and then Skyrim, like 2011. I, I, I was a dumb kid. No, I probably played some RPGs here and there, but I didn't like think in my head, Oh my gosh, I yeah. like these type of games. It was so funny. I, I played Pokemon and I was like, okay, only the colored cartridges are good games in this, in these tiny little devices. I was really a dumb kid. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's why I have this retro pocket too. I'm going back. I am visiting the, uh, the awesome RPGs that are in those little devices. So I'm playing catch up, but it's going good. That's awesome. So what, what with Skyrim, what made you want to try Skyrim? Was it just like the, the fact that it was fantasy and you're like, oh, it's a first person fantasy game. This looks cool. It's got dragons. Oh, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. So I, I remember my friend playing Oblivion and I had sort of a clue what that was. It was like first person fantasy game. And so when I got into Skyrim, um, I guess I, I, I don't know. I just got it for Christmas and I just wanted to really get into I I remember okay. playing Fallout New Vegas and that was the same developer. I kind of knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so funny that that first hour really disinterested me. I don't know why. I think a lot of RPGs, they they don't do a good job of hooking you in. Yeah. A um, lot of them really start really slow or it's the yes. famous phrase too. It's like, oh, it gets really good 20 hours in, like the Final Fantasy 13 syndrome. It's very much like exactly. that. Exactly. 
Exactly. So once I got that past that hump, like probably six months to a year later, um, I, I don't know, like I wasn't really into much fantasy or high fantasy stuff, but Skyrim hooked me in a very different way than any other game. Okay. So that's, yeah, cool. it was a formula in there, I think. Yeah, definitely. And especially too, is just the freedom of being able to go anywhere and do anything and collect as many cheese wheels as you want until you get yeah. over encumbered <laughs> and you can't walk anymore. Yeah. Like I, I oh. played so much of Skyrim, um, almost as much as Oblivion because with uh, Elder Scrolls specifically, um, I mm-hmm. never really got into Morrowind for the reason you kind of talked about on the original Xbox because it starts off so slowly that it was really mm-hmm. hard for me to get into that game. So when the 360 came out, one of the first games I got for it was Oblivion and played it for 300 hours. I think my save said by the time I was yep. done. That's I, a, I pretty that's much did everything stamp. you could do in that game. <laughs> I got all the achievement points, loved it to death. And then when Skyrim came out, I was so excited for it. And uh, mm-hmm. um, I know that a, a lot of people love that game. Whereas for me, it's just... Scaram, I liked it, but I, I don't know what it was about it, but it just didn't have the same special sauce for me personally as Oblivion. Um, Sometimes that happens, it's man. A yeah. little bit more user friendly to get into because like Oblivion had a lot more complicated systems and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely, I think, harder for people that are newer to RPGs to kind of get into that game. I so see. It, makes, it makes so much sense that maybe your big gateway might be like something like Skyrim. Uh, which is just cool to hear. And I know Pokemon 2, that's a story that I hear from so many other people that, you know, that's kind of like baby's first RPG. I'm using quotations, of course, uh, to say that because it obviously has a lot of layered RPG mechanics, but, you know, it's the type of game that's so user-friendly and so easy to get into that even, you know, regardless of your age group, you know, that's the type of game you can really get into as well. So um, that doesn't really surprise me as well. So it's cool to hear such a different story than mine. Cause I'm going to get into mine now and, and <laughs> I was actually good. a dumb kid as you. So don't, don't feel bad for being a dumb kid, Garrett. Trust me. If someone's good, a dumb good. kid, it was Ryan well, Turford growing up. When it came I think we were all dumb kids. Let's just, <laughs> let's just throw it out there. Like, like we, we kind of like regrets some things like missing a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now in my defense though, and, and this kind of goes along with my story back in the in the 80s and 90s we didn't have the internet or anything like that to tell us you know oh really uh, spe- i know shocking right so uh we didn't really have you know uh specific like websites or magazines kind of telling us about different genres so um a lot mm-hmm. of people didn't really know what rpgs were back then so i'm going to take you on a little trip back to num- 1988 the summer of 1988 oh, goodness. um i was six years old then and okay. I was uh, going to a rent- video rental store here in London, Ontario with my older brother, Kyle. And of course, back in the day, if you wanted to play a game and you didn't want to buy it for full price, you'd go to the rental store and just go rent it for the weekend. And we were desperate for a new game to play on RDS back uh, in, uh, in the summer. And we went to the rental store and they only had one game available behind the counter. Mm. That game was Genghis Khan on the NES. Now, for those that don't know what on earth Genghis Khan on the NES is. I don't know what this is either. It's actually not an RPG at all. It's actually a tactical, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms style, like tactical strategy game, but on the NES. And uh, so we we decided, okay, we're gonna take a chance with this game because we're desperate for a game to try and this is the only one they have. So let's take it home with us. We'll pay the $5 to rent it for the weekend and uh, and we'll see how it goes bring the game home boot it up and immediately within five minutes we're like we're taking this back we can't get into this <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing uh, especially because when you'd rent a game back in the day you didn't get the mm-hmm. manual so without the internet to basically look up uh, like a guide or something and without the manual can't a, play game a game like that it's just it doesn't give you any instructions in game in game on how to play it because it assumes you have the manual and and the, i think the manual for genghis khan 2 is like super thick i think it's like 100 pages or something which is kind of crazy because there's a, a lot of information to know about that game so we, so that was your first rpg well quote unquote rpg and this kind of feeds into what happened when we returned it because when we returned to the video store we were like hey what kind of game is this? Because we've never played anything <laughs> game like this before um, because we want to know to steer clear of this kind of game. And the dude b- uh, behind the counter said, oh, it's an RPG. So hmm. we assumed it was an RPG and that all RPGs played like Kangas Kong on the NES. <laughs> so we decided, okay, every game that we asked for from now on, 
as but you have to make sure it doesn't say it's an RPG on the back of the box because we don't want it because we don't want we don't want another Genghis Khan. So, very bad first impression for little Ryan there. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, again, talk about dumb kids. That was us when we were dumb. But again, you didn't really have any way of looking up information back then. And even when you would talk to kids on the playground, you know, RPGs were such a niche genre, even more mm-hmm. so back then. Um, oh, for sure. Especially here in North America that like when you would talk to kids on the playground, they would talk about the Mario's, the Castlevania's, Contra, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That would be the type of stuff we would talk about. So we would never talk about RPGs. So it really right. was, it took a while for us to kind of realize the folly of our mistake because um, and, it, and it's funny because it kind of prevented me from getting so many games as a kid because they were RPGs like mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger. My mom yeah. and dad famously bought a Chrono Trigger um, for for uh, I think it was like birthday or Christmas. And we took mm-hmm. it back. Because it was an RPG. So oh we ended up getting goodness, switching right? up for something. I think it was like <laughs> we ended up switching up for Bram Stoker's Dracula on the Genesis, which is a terrible, terrible game. You don't want to play that game. So it prevented us from getting so many, so many games. So what kind of turned the ship around uh, was the Sega Channel. It was actually a service that existed in the States. Now, if you're unfamiliar mm-hmm. with what Sega Channel actually is, um, it was actually a service that they, I think they only really offered in North America through your cable provider. And essentially what would happen is you'd pay like a monthly fee to your cable mm-hmm. company. They would give you a special Genesis cartridge with like a coaxial cable line on the side of it. You'd plug it into your Genesis and it would essentially be like the Genesis version of Xbox Game Pass, where essentially it would connect to oh. Oh, through the cable line to the service and it would allow you to download a selection of 50 games per month through really? Sega. Really? that uh, would basically rotate every month. So it was... They were ahead of the time. Yes. No joke. The hilarious oh thing, too, was goodness. it was literally $15 a month, which is what Game Pass costs now. <laughs> so, so it was literally the exact same model as Game Pass. And uh, yeah. we basically, my brother Kyle and I, basically made it our mission to go through every game on Sega Channel and try every single one of them. In fact, um, it's one of the reasons why when I was a kid, I played so much more Genesis than Super Nintendo. For that reason, because mm. I just had access to so many more games. Um, and again, when you would uh, select a game, it would basically download the ROM through your cable line directly to the cartridge, and it would basically flash it to that cartridge. Oh, and you'd play to it. a specific cartridge. Now, did that cartridge say like Sega? What? Whatever. It said Sega Channel like, on the cartridge. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you can that's, still find the money. That's crazy. Thing. And and the best part about it too is that the ROM stays flashed to that cartridge until you download another one. So there's some on eBay that still have ROMs attached to them, including some exclusive games that were exclusive to Sega Channel. Stuff like Mega Man: The Wily Wars, for example, never got a North American release on Genesis because it was exclusive to Sega Channel. <laughs> so, it- which was ridiculous. Wow. Uh, that's a game that I actually played on Sega Channel and actually beat on Sega Channel, which is kind of crazy. Um, so. With that all said, and this kind of leads me on, on to my my very first big RPG uh, game that I played. So back mm-hmm. on the Genesis, uh, Sega actually had a whole bunch of RPG franchises. They had stuff like Fantasy Star, but they also had the Shining Force series. And right here, I've got Shining Force 2. This was okay. actually the game that really got me into RPGs. So Shining Force 2, if you've never played it, it was kind of Sega's answer to Fire Emblem where it's actually a top-down, turn-based, you know, strategy RPG with a really great story, some interesting characters, some fantastic music, some great sprite work. This is still to my day, to, still to this day, my favorite Genesis game is, is Shining mm-hmm. Force 2. I played this game to death. I, I beat it mm. multiple times while it was on Sega Channel before it rotated out. And it, and it got to the point, too, where just years later I added it to my collection because I've got the box copy with, with the manual and everything. So um, Shining nice. Force 2 was kind of my big gateway into RPGs. And then beyond that, what really solidified me with RPGs was another game because back in the day I also had a Sega CD because I was one of those kids, one of those rich kids that had a Sega CDX, which was actually the Sega CD and Genesis it's- in one console. Um, is it like one huge just no, monster? No, it's actually really tiny. It's like pack? this big. It's like the size of a disc. Oh, one. that's so cool. Yeah. In fact, if you want one now, they're like 500 US dollars to get one on eBay. They're actually super rare. But uh, we I'm had good. one when we were kids. And it was actually my first portable CD player because it would take batteries and you could bring it with you <laughs> wherever you went. 
which was Whoa, so that's cool. cool. So one of the games we picked up on Sega CD that I, I really got into was actually Lunar the Silver Star, which I've got my, my complete hobby here. Um, this was actually from Working Designs uh, here in North America. They, they did the publishing and from Game Arts, which is uh, a company you might, you, you might be uh, familiar with because they made the Grandia games, but they also made right. Lunar, uh, which this was not only my introduction to RPGs and kind of my, my gateway beyond uh, Shining Force, uh, but it also really was my gateway into anime. Because one thing that mm-hmm. most people don't know about Sega CD games, if you like anime, is a lot of them actually featured animated cutscenes for the first time. And it was actually yes. like the first console where we had like animated cutscenes. Um, so, of course, they, they were all done in this like hand drawn animated anime style. And really, like that just it was like a light bulb went off in my head as soon as I played Lunar. Um, and mm-hmm. all of the wheels kind of aligned. I was like, oh, my God, I really love RPGs. We need to hunt down as many of these games as we possibly can. Is forward. Lunar like an action RPG or what, it's what kind of game? It's actually a turn-based RPG. Turn-based? Okay, yeah, cool. So you've basically got this big field um, and your characters move along the field. So you can't actually... Um, so sometimes if your character is too far away from the enemy, mm. you can't do like a melee attack. You've got to run I up see. to them a little bit. But um, for the most part, it's your standard turn-based RPG. And they've actually remade it a bunch of times because it was remade on PS1, Sega Saturn, okay. PSP. Uh, there was a PSP version as well as an iPhone version that you can actually play right now as well. So lots of different remakes of Lunar if you've ever wa- if you've ever wanted to check it out. That's going to be saved for a much later episode on the RPG game because we're actually going to do a, like a whole Lunar episode down the road because it's actually a really cool i'm gonna have to dabble a little bit thank goodness i have this retro pocket and i'll, I'll probably dig into a couple of these yeah i mean games. worst case scenario i've got a couple really good guests as well that can also sit in with us that can talk lunar as well so uh, those were good. my two kind of gateway games and then ever since from there man it's been nothing but rpgs pretty much for me going on from yeah. there like um when i got my ps1 i had like final fantasy 7 and and lunar the remake when i bought those both day and date with my playstation one and then I, I really stuck with PlayStation 1 that generation because of all the RPGs. So I played mm-hmm. just so many RPGs on that console. It was so, so, so good. So that's how, that's nice. my long-winded story about how I got into RPGs. Again, it's kind of crazy that... <laughs> you you know, can tell it's much earlier, much like like older kind of console generations. I'm the old man of the group. Of the group <laughs> that's for sure. That's why I'm the Archmage, Garrett. I thought about exactly. my class wisely. I mean, yeah, eventually when I get a long enough gray beard, I can start stroking it like this whenever You're I have You're stroking thoughts. it like Gandalf, you know? <laughs> or Deckard Kane. Uh, or Decker Kane. <laughs> so, so, so good. So to answer your question, Yard, and that's how we got into RPGs. Of course, uh, 25 minutes into the show, we should probably move on to some of these other questions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just two very, very different journeys as to yeah. how we got into RPGs. And uh, again, it's just, I'm so happy, though, that I discovered those games uh, because honestly, I would have probably just skipped over just generations and generations of RPGs um, and yeah. maybe eventually found them. But Maybe I would have had the mindset forever that, oh, RPGs suck. I never want to play them. Even though, funnily enough, the very first RPG I played was actually before Genghis Khan because my mm-hmm. my cousin Andrew owned a copy of Final Fantasy on the NES. And oh. when I played that, I had no idea it was an RPG. It was just a top-down game with a, sto- with a story. So I was like, oh. With a story and a character, fine. yeah. You know? uh, so, yeah, it's, just, it's funny. So we're going to move on. We're going to move on to Half Thumbed Gamer's question. And he mm-hmm. asks... What are your thoughts on Final Fantasy VII Remake? What do you think they are doing for the second part? When do you think this is coming? So, Garrett, I, okay. don't, I don't think you've played Final Fantasy VII Remake, have you? I can't remember. No, I haven't, but I'll, I'll, I'll answer this pretty quickly on my just speculation. Of sure. It. I, I really enjoyed what I've seen in the gameplay, and their impressions are amazing with Final Fantasy VII Remake, so that's great. I would love to play Final Fantasy VII Classic first mm-hmm. before I get into it. You absolutely um, should, I'm, by the way. Yeah, that's that's what I hear from a lot of people. Um, I am definitely gonna grab Integrate and and play like the remastered whatever version on PS5. So yeah. when I get there during the summer, that'll, that's definitely what I'll play. That, and when do you think the second part's coming? Uh, it's gonna be soon. I think it's gonna be as close as next year, possibly, because they're working on it and they got the ground rolling. They got the character models. All they need to do is carry the story over, um, new settings. I, it could be easily next year. We'll see when Final Fantasy 16 is going to pop up, too, because they have that project going. So, But the nice thing about that, know. though, is that Final Fantasy 16 is made by a completely different team. It's actually a lot yes. of the Final Fantasy 14 team 
is working on that game, so, which, That's is, which pretty excites me. So um, I, think, I, I, I don't think they're going to correlate too much together. I, I just don't think you're going to obviously see both in the same year because Square Enix is probably going to want to yeah. spread them out a little bit. Um, Definitely. But yeah, to your point, um, I think with the second part, I think that's probably a 2023 game because okay. I think next year is going to be Final Fantasy 16. Unless, unless we're really I surprised with Final Fantasy 16 this year, but we're, we just actually last night that from the night we're recording this, we just got the announcement of the release date for Final Fantasy 14 Endwalker, the new expansion for Final Fantasy 14, mm-hmm. and that's coming in November. So they're not going to want to release that N16 around the same time. So yeah. that's why I think 16's next year. And then Final Fantasy VII Part Two is going to be 2023. I think that's probably that makes sense. Do it. Um, if, yeah. if I'm using my Final Fantasy math and putting it together, because I think Square kind of wants to have like a new Final Fantasy game every year. And that would be the way to do that, essentially. So definitely um, that kind of plays into it. What my, my thoughts about Final Fantasy VII Remake half thumbed. I loved it. Um, I wasn't as wild about it as much as everyone else, mainly because I didn't mm-hmm. love the ending. But everything up until the ending and some of the grindier parts of the game, I personally loved as a big fan of Final Fantasy VII. Um, I do mm-hmm. think it was kind of a little bit too padded and kind of bloated because they did add a lot of stuff that that kind of feels like anime filler. It's, it feels like the middle of Naruto where there's like so many like weird episodes where Naruto goes and fights with the flower ninja clan, for example. Yeah. So just it's stuff that you didn't really need to do. Um, so that's how I felt about There's some of the parts of JRPGs Final Fantasy There's a lot of JRPGs do that, yeah. Yeah, and so. uh, I, I wish that they um, cut down on some of that maybe for part two. Um, but mm. what I'm really interested about with part two is now that they're done all the Midgar segments from part from part one, basically mm-hmm. where that story goes from there in the original game is that it's an open world game essentially from there. And uh, you're basically okay. out in the environment and it's very, very, very different than the first part with Midgar, because you're you're out in the woods, you're going to different towns and stuff like that. So I'm really interested to see how they're gonna handle that with what they did mm-hmm. with with Final Fantasy VII remake the first part, because that first part was so enclosed in Midgar that yeah. I'm trying to think about how they're gonna take that idea and that concept and expand that to like the giant open world that that is Final Fantasy VII. So um, I'm really interested to see how um, the team handles that, how Nomura is going to handle that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with it because I, I hope it turns out well. I'm hoping for more surprises because I do like that they change some some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and we'll go for there. But again, we'll talk about that more probably after Garrett actually plays Final Fantasy yeah. VII because I think we'll actually be able to have <laughs> I'm like sorry. I have so many gaps in my RPG. Sorry. So I know I... you're you're actually much much farther behind, especially on Final Fantasy because I don't think you've really played Final Fantasy at all. So I, I've dabbled in some. I've actually played a good chunk of Final Fantasy VII on my Switch. I just need to go back to it. Um, I played a good chunk of Final Fantasy IV okay. as well, classic on my Vita. So it's just uh, I haven't finished one yet. Very nice, my friend. All right. We'll get there. Next up, speaking of portable devices, we're going to stick with WTN Andrew. uh, And he asks, what Mm -hmm. is one RPG from the portable devices, not counting Pokemon, Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest that you'd like to see be seen converted into a full home console release? So, Garrett, is there like a portable RPG besides Hmm. those three franchises that you would love to see come to home consoles? Uh, recently, I just been thinking of this since Bravely Default Two is out. They really need to port those Bravely Default One and Bravely Second into yes. on the Switch. Like it's it's kind of time. I would love to see like refresh graphics, refresh textures on that. Um, and another series that I would like to see is actually the Etrian Odyssey. Because, like, it's it's trapped in that 3DS. I do like the touchscreen of it in the mapping of, of... It's a dungeon crawler, so what you do is, like, kind of make your own maze and path throughout the, the level. Um, mm-hmm. And same thing with, like, the Persona Q series. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking of, too, when you were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, ex- exactly. I would like to see that on Switch as well. Very nice. But, yeah, I, I think those are great choices. Like, um, I know Bravely Default, I love both that and Bravely Second and... Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I think they could do so much more with those games visually on the Switch, yes. um, especially with the character models, because um, they, they kind of have the, the same problem as the Fire Emblem games on 3DS do, where they're kind of at the at the mercy of what the 3DS can really do. Um, you can see the edges. You can see the edges of the character models and like just 
putting that fresh coat of paint and textures on the Switch, uh, yeah, that At would least be they amazing. have feet, though. At least they've got they that do. going for them. And, like, again, like Fire Emblem Awakening or Fate, which is actually one of my answers. It's actually uh, the, both Fire Emblem oh, yeah. Awakening and Fate. Um, I would love to see uh, ported to Switch. I think those would be home runs. Another series I that I would love them. to see <laughs> come to, to home consoles is Golden Sun. I would love to see those oh, get yeah. like a, a, a re-release on modern consoles. Both uh, the Lost Age and the original Golden Sun would be awesome. I've only shown up one in the video because I actually only have the one in the box. Um, but then even though you said not to pick Final Fantasy, Andrew, I cheated a little bit and picked a Final <laughs> Fantasy game because this one criminally is stuck on the PSP and is not available yes, digitally. we know. And we know what it is. Crisis Core Final oh, Fantasy. Oh, Crisis Core. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. this game is incredible. It stars Zack, and it's basically like a, 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 a prequel to Final Fantasy VII, and it's so, so, so good, and it sucks that it's stuck on the PSP in, in physical form only because it never came to the digital stores at all what and That's i think this crazy. is the type of game too that would play way better with like uh dual analog sticks on a modern console especially now yeah. that we have final fantasy 7 remake like i would love to see crisis core get get ported to to modern consoles so um that that's kind of my answer again even though again andrew you said not to pick a final fantasy game i had to cheat a little bit but i gave you golden sun and fire Emblem. i think i, think I mean I that think game is very trapped into the psp if it's physical only yeah goodness that's uh, that's crazy well the thing about psp too is they didn't really it's weird because they did the psp go which was a digital only psp mm-hmm. system but only like 150 of the like 900 games that are on psp are available digitally which is is I so see. bizarre so and and just crisis core never made it for whatever reason to the digital marketplace i I just don't get it. All right. Yeah. Next question comes fr- to us from, from Fulia, and I'm actually going to merge her question with Antix's question as well. So Fulia asks, yeah. what RPG games would you recommend to players who haven't really delved into that genre of gaming? And Antix asks, what's the best way to get players who aren't interested in RPGs to give the genre a try? So we talked about this a little bit when Garrett was kind of giving his story. I think obviously, yeah. Fulia, the, the easiest series to start with for anyone is Pokemon. I mean, Pokemon is, Pokemon is so user The first thing that pops up in my head, um, it's so easy to get into. It's not like, I mean, the stories, it, it depends on game to game. They're mm-hmm. not the best in the world. Um, but yeah, like that formula is like, that's, that's a strict RPG formula. And if you like the gameplay of Pokemon, that's, yeah, we could bounce from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I think that that's the, the one I will always recommend people start with. If you want something that's not Pokemon that wants a, that has a great story, any of the mm-hmm. Persona games, the Persona, Persona Four game. Golden, Persona Five. Um, I think I know those are gateways for a lot of people too. Even though mm-hmm. they are way longer than Pokemon, like they're there's so much uh, bigger time sinks than than something mm-hmm. like Pokemon is because they're like hundred hour games. So um, yeah, they're they're very long. It's more and, of a and they can be tedious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles is a great one as well. I know a lot of people that are not huge RPG fans got into that game because of the story itself, not as much with the combat, but the story was was really excellent. Um, And so I think you would enjoy that if you love story. Yeah, I never really thought about that too, but I I know the combat in Xenoblade is so much different than a lot of our other RPGs too that Mm -hmm. um, I think it might appeal more to people that maybe aren't in RPGs. So I think, I think you've got a good point there. Um, Also too, if, if you're someone that isn't, that hasn't really dabbled with RPGs, but you like strategy games, like strategy mm-hmm. RPGs are a great entryway too, um, and that I mean that's how I got in with Shining Force, in, with my example. Mm-hmm. But so, so something like Fire Emblem, I think, is actually a great gateway for a lot of people too. Like I think um, a lot of people who are newer to RPGs maybe have played like stuff like StarCraft or Civilization on PC, mm-hmm. but never really dabble with RPGs. I think like a, a Fire Emblem or a Disgaea maybe are the type of games that maybe you want to try out. Yeah, Although Fire Emblem Three I, Houses is the most like accessible yeah. game out of the series. I think it, you can make it as easy as you want. It doesn't get overly too complicated if you don't let it. So I, I would say Fire Emblem Three Houses is a, is a good one to start. For yeah. Sure. So I, I think we, we got a lot of really good examples there. Um, as far as the best way to get people who aren't interested in RPGs to try the genre. I mean, I think that's a tough for us because obviously everyone kind of has you know, their, their own preconceived notions about genres. Yeah. And it's harder to get everyone to try everything. Whereas just my advice is, I, I, and, and I carry this across every genre is I'm the type of gamer that just likes to, to just try stuff regardless of what genre yeah. it is. Like, even though I know I don't really love roguelikes, 
I really wanted to give Returnal a try because I love kind of the, the setting of Returnal. Yeah. Um, and I found a game that I really loved because of it. And I think the best way to maybe get someone into RPGs who are, isn't one is maybe recommend a game to them that is... Um, that, that's an RPG and maybe in like a genre they really like because we have mm-hmm. RPGs now that are in all kinds of genres like fantasy, sci-fi, we've got horror RPGs. So I think like maybe like think like have the person in mind and kind of um, think about kind of what genres of maybe movies they like and kind of recommend an RPG to them that way. Or if you're listening now and you're someone who hasn't really gotten into RPGs, maybe take the same approach where you're like, you re- maybe you really like um, Star Wars. So maybe you want to mm-hmm. try out a game like you know, Final Fantasy VII or something like that. Like maybe that's the best place to start. That, or maybe something like that, Fantasy Star too, which is like a space, like a sci-fi RPG. Like, yeah, yeah. I, blending genres is is probably a good way to go about it. I also would like to say, um, on top of the previous question, is game RPGs that don't demand a ton of your time and like you can get through in a solid pace. Mm-hmm. There are some great RPGs that are in the 15 to 20 hour in, in even less range. Yeah. Uh, one game that really like uh, inspired me actually was Child of Light. Um, Child of Light is a smaller uh, game by Ubisoft, by the UbiArt uh, division that's not, no longer there. Um, it does an excellent job of blending an RPG, a 2D RPG with just a childhood like storybook. And it does a really good job with the characters and the um, kind of the story and the family kind of traditions in there. Um, yeah. So just look into indie RPGs or smaller RPGs mm-hmm. that doesn't take too much of your time and doesn't go dive really deep into the systems yet and yeah. see if you like it. Yeah. It's, it's much less of a, a long-term investment than something like persona. Like maybe even a game like cosmic star heroine from, from yeah. Z-Boyd studios or a game like undertale. I mean, those games undertale, you can finish definitely. in like 10 hours. So um, I think they're actually really good at gateways as well. All right. Next up, Marcus O'Neill 79 asks, which RPG from the PS1 generation or earlier would you like to see get a full remake similar to Final Fantasy VII Remake? Mm. Or I'm going to throw in there as well, Trials of Mana, which also got a full remake uh, last year That's as true. well. Um, Garrett, uh, are there any particular RPGs from the PS1 generation or early that you think maybe need like a full remake remake? I actually didn't look at this question earlier. I'm going to have to think about this a bit no more. I got a couple I, examples. I have not. Okay, go for it. So yeah. um, I actually have two games here because I, I, again, okay. I can't prepare for this. You're ready. First up, <laughs> Parasite Eve from Square Enix. Okay. Uh, this is my, one of my favorite um, games from Square Enix on the PlayStation 1. It's a survival horror RPG. It's turn-based. Mm. So again, it's similar to Final Fantasy, but it's got a lot of different mechanics and motifs that from like something like Resident Evil. So it's almost like mm-hmm. a Resident Evil turn-based RPG, which are two franchises that I love kind of smashed together. Um, and we haven't really seen anything from Parasite Eve since the PSP because they released the third birthday, which kind of wrapped up the, the story of the three games on the PSP. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen anything from Parasite Eve since. This is a dormant IP that I think Square Enix could do something really special with, especially after playing Resident Evil 2 Remake. Like the, I, the first thing I thought about right away was Parasite Eve. So um, Parasite Eve was, is one game I would love to see them do like a full remake of. I think it would it, it would do great with the, the full remake training. And the other one mm-hmm. that I had in mind, also a PlayStation 1 game. Uh, this, is the, this is the game that you'll probably eventually play once you finish Chrono Trigger, Garrett. Chrono Cross. So this was Chrono actually Cross, yeah. the sequel to, or I should say spiritual sequel in a lot of ways, to Chrono Trigger. It ties into the original Chrono Trigger in some really interesting ways, but kind of uh, tries to tell its own story. Um, I actually really love Chrono Cross on the PlayStation 1, but the visuals haven't aged super well. So I think that it could really benefit from the full remake treatment because I think it's got a great story. It's got some fantastic music. um, It's got some great characters, and I, I think it would make a great full on remake even more so in this in the the style of something like trials of mana i think if they went in that direction um i think it would be much better to go in and do something like that Uh, as far as going before playstation one i think that's where it gets harder because i do think that um games on the nes or the snes or even the genesis i think i will argue hold up way better over time they do than, than playstation one games and i personally don't think Many of them need remakes. Like even we've heard talks of maybe them doing like a Chrono Trigger remake. I don't really mm-hmm. think Tr- Chrono Trigger really needs a remake. Like that game is it doesn't need still it. so g- beautiful to play now. Like 
There's yeah. no real reason to remake that game. Like, there are so many better candidates for it. Again, anything on PlayStation 1 or even PlayStation 2, I think, is more deserving. But now that you've had time to think about it, Garrett, what, what, do, you, what do you think about this? <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree with you because the, the pixel art definitely holds up. And now we're, we're making games still in, in the pixel art space, so it definitely holds up there. Um, I'm going to still say, because I'm playing Chrono Trigger right now, I, I know we don't need a remake of a Chrono Trigger, but I would just like to see what they can do in a 3D model fashion and like redo the music and redo kind of redo the story. I just want to see their spin, their take, what they've done like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Try to do it with Chrono Trigger in a little bit and see what can you do with it. I don't want to say that um, it should uphold to the the classic game at all or, or be as good as that, but I just want to see, you know, the refresh of like, like just present times, what can, what can they do with a 3D modeled? I mean, it would uh, certainly be interesting, like what they would yeah. do with it. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I would be curious to see, although that that's the type of game too, that maybe I would be more on board with a remake of Chrono Trigger if it was in the style of like Octopath Traveler. Like if they yes. did that in like that engine, um, and then kind of remade like uh, remade the music like you talked about. Like I think that would be an amazing remake of Chrono Trigger. Octopath Traveler has amazing art style. Oh yeah. my goodness! Or like Project Triangle Strategy. Like that, it, I think that. I think you'd take uh, like if you're going to remake a Super Nintendo game, I think that's the best way, better approach. I see. Um, at least for non-action RPGs, um, mm-hmm. it'd be different. It's different, I think, with stuff like Tales of Fantasia um, on Super Nintendo because that's like an action RPG. Uh, on that yeah. console. And I think that would translate much better to a modern day game um, in the same way as like Trials of Mana did, which I think was a fantastic remake. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another set of games that they're a little bit late. Uh, well, it could be on. No, no, it's a little bit later uh, in the GameCube is the Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Like I tried to play some of that um, a few years ago and yeah, the textures don't hold up. Of course, 3D models don't really hold up as much as 2D. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see a full fresh remake of those games. And I keep saying it, but I don't know if they'll do it. Ever. I mean, the, the story in that game is fantastic too. So I think that mm-hmm. um, it would make a, a great remake. So yeah, those are the games we'd love to see, Marcus. Next up, the most famous of all the famouses, Seamus's, asks, mm. what is the most annoying mechanic slash plot point that happens in a lot of RPGs? So um, for me, uh, famous Seamus, I would say the most mequo- annoying mechanic for me is just grinding. I hate grinding in RPGs or RPGs that also don't allow experience points to carry across all your other inactive party members. Um, Yeah, that that one's rough, especially in the Persona series. That one, yeah. I'm so glad that they've uh, gotten better about that over time with with Persona or even just old school Final Fantasy games or um, like other RPGs. It's just, it's so rough to have like, uh, it would be so nice to have like some of your party members that are better for a specific situation leveled up with you, but no, you got to go back to and basically run around in a circle and just grind for hours to get XP up for them. So, um, mm-hmm. those are the most annoying mechanics for me personally, as far as plot points. Uh, I, I think just having every single game be kind of like, you're the chosen one and you got to save the world. <laughs> yeah. I, I love kind of RPGs that deviate from, from that mentality a little bit. Um, I don't think it's necessarily annoying, but it's just, leads to to more boringness i guess in the story so um yeah that those are kind of my thoughts on that what about you garrett what do you think about this um I, i'm totally right there with you on on all those points i think another thing that really bogs me down is if the rpg doesn't have good voice acting if it has Ooh. like bad like bad voice acting like it really just detracts me from the story itself um, and if it's not a good story, it, it, the gameplay must be good for me to, you know, continue on. So I would say like bad voice acting is, is, is a huge thing in RPGs that I, I wish like it, it would be better. That's um, a good, really good one. Like, especially going, yeah. someone like me who goes back and plays a lot of old PS2 RPGs, like some of them are like awful. They're so, yeah. so, so bad. <laughs> um, another thing I, I think you said it like grinding, I would say more. Um, not grinding specifically, because I think grinding can be good um, if they do it right, like Bravery Default 2. They mm-hmm. actually do a very good job with that. Um, it's more of like repeating secondary quests or like something that's like, oh, okay, you've done it. Now you can do it again forever and ever and ever. And I'm like, no, I don't want this. Like, I'm one of those games that are, are people that I'm a completionist to a point. If we if if it's a little bit too much for me, I, I go on. But I like to see all those secondary quests checked off if I really enjoy the game. 
Um, and so when I see a secondary quest, I'm like, all right, beat the first boss again or beat the second boss again with like these other characters. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, please, just just let me continue keep the pacing okay, and, and we'll go from there. That so. sounds like the world of MMOs that you just described, Garrett. So yes, I know. Like That's why I dropped off of MMOs. <laughs> we actually have, MMOs we actually have an little... MMO question a little bit later, too, so yeah. we'll talk yeah. about that, too. But it, yeah, that literally everything you just described, it's like, oh, I'm going to run rerun this same dungeon slash instance like 85 times to level my character. That's I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Oh, that's so good. So. All right, next up, this one's from Sean Capri. We know him. Uh, Sean Capri asks, what is your desert island console for mm. RPGs? Garrett, do you have a desert island console for RPGs? Because I'm pretty sure we probably have the same answer for this one. I Actually, I've been debating, man. Like, of course, it's going to be handheld. Yeah. I, I, I think a handheld is great to, like, put traveling, go on vacation or whatever. So, And I like it. It's just compact and portable. And RPGs... It doesn't matter really much if it's on a home console or, or in handheld. They're they're still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna have to say the 3DS. Ooh, that's a little bit different than I was thinking. Why the 3DS though? There are so many um, kind of classic RPGs and Shimigami Tensei games and Monster Hunter. There's just so many series in there and so many con- so much content mm-hmm. in both the 3DS and the DS. So you could do backwards compatibility. Yeah. Um, I, I could probably spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours into the 3DS compared to, I mean, the Vita is good. There's a lot of variety. I think that's what, what Vita does a really good job with is the variety of RPGs mm-hmm. compared to 3DS. But I think the 3DS gets the, like, has the content pretty good. It's got the, 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 the quantity down. That's for sure. Yes. Because there are yes. so many, so many games on, on uh, 3DS. Whereas the, th- the problem with Vita is just, most of the really great games we didn't really get in North America or don't have English translations. So I think there's like a larger pool of of Vita games we could probably pull from, but we can't really play them here because we don't understand Japanese. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, my answer is actually the Vita. I have to go with the Vita on this one, mainly because, and and I'm thinking outside of just the Vita games, and because it actually plays a lot of fantastic PS1 RPGs. But also it plays a ton of really good PSP RPGs as well. So um, going beyond the Vita library by itself, um, I have to give the Vita props because um, I I love playing games on the Vita. I I think it's the perfect console for handheld besides maybe the Switch. I think it's probably my second favorite one. Um, But I just love playing RPGs on on the Vita and there's a ton to choose from. Um, And I think the quality, like you, you alluded to, is just top notch for a lot of like the... Uh, the the quality of RPGs that are on the Vita, um, and it sucks that we just we're missing so many Vita games, Vita RPGs that we could have had here. Um, I know, because right? it just did so much better in Japan. But again, just for having the PS One RPG library on its own, where it has almost every single fantastic RPG that released on the PlayStation One on the store. Mm-hmm. Like there there are some exceptions, but you've got most of them there. Like that's th- true. That alone, I think, probably puts the Vita over the top for me personally. But it depends on um, what kind of RPG game. I love the about. form factor of this thing too. Like, yeah, they just really nailed it with the Vita. I I can't believe it. It just Sony just sunk it like it did. But yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? For sure. Next up, the Winter Gamer asks: In RPGs that you can name your characters, how do you go about choosing the names? So, Garrett, first of all, in RPGs, do you name your characters at all? I absolutely don't, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, Brendan, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just. I'm the most bland person when it comes to just like naming your characters. If there's a default name, I like to put the default name in there because that's what the developers intended the name to be, even though you can change the name. So I definitely put like the original default name. If it doesn't have a default name, I'm a, I'm a stupid person. I just put my name in there and, and just let my name be that character. I, I did that with Fallout 4 and actually made myself like the most like, like, kind of like similar to my face mm-hmm. um so i imagine being lost in that world i think i kind of just imagine that um with pets and everything i think of like my previous pets that i've had and their names and, and put it in there as just a remembrance if there's like a ship i'm i'm naming i think of like friends or family and just name that i'm the most like the least creative when it comes to naming you things. say this garrett but you haven't even <laughs> let, heard me speak yet because i think i'm actually okay. blander than you 
<laughs> by, oh, by no. because I also don't name my characters in RPGs at all. Uh, now I will say, I will say with a caveat back in the day when I was a kid and a teenager, I used to name my characters after myself. But nowadays, if I play an RPG, if I go back and play RPGs, I don't name the characters ever. If, if it forces you to Is put a blank? name in, um, <laughs> I usually use, if there's a random name generator, I will use oh. the random name generator and do that. If not, I will go to Google and <laughs> Google random name generator and then randomly generate a name from Google. And that's how I will come up with the name. So trust me, if anyone is the bland explosion here, Garrett, <laughs> it's me because I, I, I don't like to name my characters. It's just uh, I kind of like when games kind of have like the central vision of who the main character is and not because I'm yes. not really trying to put my face on uh, on the character. Even when I play a game like, that's like an MMO with like hair with a character creator, I actually usually play as a female. So obviously I'm not okay. playing a character that looks like me. So I'm playing a very different character for my, than myself to kind of like be more immersed in the experience because I'm playing a role and playing a different character. Like I'm that not trying sense. to play as myself. So um, that's kind of how I look at it and how I approach naming in games. And all MMOs, luckily, all have random name generators built in, so I never have to worry about this. All right. Nice. Next up, King KO 7 asks, what, at what point does an RPG become too bloated with mechanics to enjoy. So a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake is probably my prime example of this where okay. um, the mechanics of, and, and this kind of goes to what I talked about a little bit with grinding before, um, the grinding side quests in Final Fantasy VII, for example, just really felt super bloated towards the end of the experience where I really just wanted the story to just keep going. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when I can visually, or when I can audibly feel like the I'm, I feel like I'm trudging through mud in an RPG. I think that's where, like, if the grinding yeah. or the level scaling um, is a little bit too bloated, or if I feel too powerful, I think that's when it kind of gets in the way when the mechanics kind of get in the way of the experience. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm a bit more easygoing because I think that's one of the reasons why I love RPGs. Is not too many of them really make me mad, or none of them, not mm-hmm. a lot of them, really feel too bloated. Um, I think a lot of it also has to do with when the story feels more bloated, but that's not kind of not what the, the question's asking. It's more talking about the mechanics. Um, so as far as mechanically, it's just it, that, that maybe the level scaling is probably when, if it's too far off balance, I think that's when it feels a little bit too bloated. Mm. To me. But what do you think about this, Garrett? I think everyone has their threshold of what's too bloated in an RPG versus anyone else. I think my rule of thumb I like to go to is uh, sometimes I dabble into games, I get out of it and then I try it it, probably like a couple months or or whatever sometime later I try to get back into it do I understand it or can I just play a couple hours and and get into the get into it very easily if I can't get back into it very easily then I know it's like okay this RPG is probably not for me it's probably too many systems and I just been Mm -hmm. kind of detached to it for far too long and so I just let it go. Um, I think prime, uh, a one prime example, and I, I would love to go back to this game. Um, I, it's uh, Radiant Historia. Um, actually, on I, I got the remake of it on the 3DS. Um, that one deals a lot with time travel, similar with Chrono Trigger, but it's a lot more branching paths. You kind of have to figure out like each individual time points and their character plot points and like I try to get back into it like a year later and it's like, no, you cannot do that. You have to like do like um, kind of like a flashback or a recap or whatever uh, to get back into the game and, and go through the mechanics again. Um, there's some games that become too customizable. I think um, one game I'm thinking of, um, even though I do enjoy is the Atelier games. They do a really good job of making their systems. It's just sometimes they just... They just do a little bit too much on what's very... Each item can be very specific. Each item can be... um, You have to craft everything to, like, the the, the scythe, to the weapons, to your armor, to your potions, everything. So it gets a little too um, tedious in that regard. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just depends on you, man. Like, if you really like crafting, then, like maybe have a certain threshold of like how many systems you can handle. Yeah. It really um, just depends on the person and kind of like what yeah. you, what you like about games and, and what kind of makes you interested in games. So I think, um, yeah, for us, like those are the things that make me make us mad. But I mean, everyone kind of treats this probably has a, like a completely different answer to this mm-hmm. question. So 
Um, I think the last thing I would say is like, if you give me a tutorial at the end of the game, like, like I'm at the oh end of the God. story, and you're still giving me a tutorial. It's like, no, you, you, you failed me. <laughs> you're just gonna, you, want, suddenly a new mechanic near, it, it comes up near the end of the game and you've got a tutorial there. It's just, it's, it's great. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next up, Watcher Girl 9 asks, favorite and worst RPG of the PlayStation 4 Xbox One generation, not including Switch since it's technically next gen in my book, but you can include mm. Wii U in this if you want to, Garrett. Oh, All, yeah, also, okay. favorite and worst RPG of the PlayStation 3 slash Xbox 360 generation. Um, maybe for the sake of time, we're probably not going to do worst here, but, but yeah. do you have a favorite for each of these, Garrett? Uh, for PS4, Xbox One, it's definitely Witcher 3. Okay. Um, that's my favorite RPG on that generation. Um, and then my favorite, I, I, I said it before, but Skyrim on, on PS3, 360 generation. So yeah. Nice. Definitely more high fantasy. Um, and they really nailed uh, both of their mechanics down. Um, oh my gosh, Witcher 3 is a masterpiece. Hopefully we'll... We'll get to talk about that later for sure. We'll get to um, talk about The Witcher. It'll have its day at some point. Um, yeah. As for me, favorite of, of this generation, for me, it has to be Persona 5 Royal. Um, I okay. love Persona 5 Royal so, so, so much. Uh, and I mean, I'm picking that version over the original, but Persona 5 yeah. was my favorite game of the generation ever, from the time I played it until Royal came out. And then as soon as Royal came out, it's like, yep, this supplants the original. So um, for me, I, I love the, the turn-based combat in that game. And then favorite from, from PS3 360, have to be Mass Effect 2 would be my favorite. Ooh. I, I love the Mass Effect series, and 2, I think, is probably the best mix of, of mechanics and story of the three games. So for me, I would have to say Mass Effect 2 uh, would probably be my answer to that. And I, I just love Bioware. They're my favorite uh, gaming company. I saw Sean Capri streaming that last night. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I'm tempted. I really need to get it. I will get it eventually. It's just, do I need to get it now? No, I got. I, I'm trying to finish. You're playing Chrono RPGs Trigger right now. Right you wait till you're finished. That playing Chrono right. Trigger and Nier Automata on on Xbox. Game Those are good choices so, right there. I mean, yeah, yeah, Mass Effect is the type of game that'll be great whenever you pick it up, and it's it's a fantastic trilogy yeah. of games. So uh, there you go. And, I mean, I've been playing it nonstop ever since the, the Legendary Edition came up. <laughs> and uh, last couple questions before we go. This one's from Brent. Yep. What's a character class that you'd never play, but you should try? Is there huh. a character class that you? Uh, that, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of this question ha probably has to do with like MMOs, for example. MMOs and like you could think of like tactical RPGs where you, there's so many off random classes. I think the yeah. one class that I never go to, but like seems interesting is all <laughs> the bard class. The oh, bard class yeah. seems always wacky. Um, you're doing very different things versus the other characters. You're not like doing offensive or defensive. You're supporting yeah. or buffing. So it's a very different way to play a game. Um, and I feel like I just need to, I don't know, dabble into that. You a mean little to bit tell more. me you're not a spoony bard, bar Garrett? Is that what you're trying no, to tell me? I'm not, I'm not a spoony bard. Oh, God. <laughs> what, as, what, what is that? As for me, honestly, um, I'm, I'm always the type of person who, when I'm playing a role in a party, whether it's an MMO or, or any type of RPG, whether it's like, like even this transitions into something like a paper RPG, like Dungeons and Dragons, I always love mm -hmm. to be like the support healing person. I think that's kind Got of it. my preferred role. So the one I never usually like to play is like the tanky slash leader role is usually yeah. like the type of role that like you don't want Ryan Turford playing. <laughs> um, I mean, in MMOs, I always stay away from from tanking um, and kind of leading the party. Like I'm not really like a natural born leader, I think, in 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 real life. So I like to stay away from that. But I, so I'm the type of person who would probably play the bard more than Garrett would. Um, but uh, I always prefer <laughs> to go. be like that the rangy spell casty like supportive you're at a distance person. but you're supporting and uh, the, the group as much as you can yeah for sure. exactly all right uh next up from mr nasty boots define a true rpg and mention why why games that have rpg elements are basically rpgs and not rpgs mr nasty boots we are actually saving your topic for a full episode that's going to happen that's down a loaded question because oh that, my god that would probably take us like half an hour to go through and we just unfortunately don't have the time to do that today and we want to give it its proper due so this it's going to get its yeah. full episode down the road so we're going to we're going to skip that for now i hope you uh, understand last question comes to us from anti-macro aka rob and he asks what mmorpg have you played and why is ashron's call still the best one ever Garrett, before <laughs> I dive deep into my history of MMOs, uh, what MMOs yeah. have you played? Uh, just real quick, I think we're going to have an episode full of MMO RPGs as well. At but, some point, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the few I've really gotten into in playing, um, the, oh, actually one of the first ones, I probably should have mentioned this in the beginning too, RuneScape. Uh, RuneScape was one of like my first major MMORPG. I know I, I would really like to get into it. That, that was another one that you just leveled up, but you had multiple characters around. Um, it was free at the time. It was browser-based, so it was very easy to get into. RuneScape is still going, guys. It's on Steam. It's kind of crazy to still see. I can't believe that game is still around. <laughs> <laughs> it's still alive somehow. Um, another MMORPG that's also still alive, which I can't believe and needs to go away, MapleStory. <laughs> um, oh, God, MapleStory. <laughs> <laughs> so MapleStory was a big thing with me and my friends. Um, I love just the cartoon 2D. I really like the action of the skills and everything, but that, that MMO became too bloated for its own good. Now you level super quick, super fast. It was really good when I was playing it at the time in middle school, but now you just don't want to touch it. But yeah, those are probably my two major MMORPGs I played. Very nice. Again, just crazy choices too, because God, those games are so old. And uh, They're old, but they were free, which was great. That's true. (laughs) That that does certainly help. Uh, As for me, Rod, I've played a ton of of MMOs. MMOs are kind of, one of my, my specialties, I think, uh, when I think about me as a, as a gamer, um, because I've played a ton of them, whether it's Guild Wars or Final Fantasy XI or Elder Scrolls Online um, or mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings Online or um, Warhammer Online. I played so many MMOs and uh, I love MMOs. I mean, I still play them to this day. Final Fantasy XIV, again, has like sunk a ton of time into it. And then World of Warcraft. My playtime for World of Warcraft is over a year of my life in that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I played world of Warcraft a ton. So again, we're going to save that for another time because again, we're going to have like a full episode on MMOs a little bit later, but that's the end of the show before we go. Uh, Garrett plugs go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Blaine explosion. And then you can find me on Twitch whenever I stream eventually at twitch.tv slash Blaine explosion. And I also co-host at PSVG, the Nintendo shack with Rebecca and Donnie. And I try to fill in that JRPG slash RPG void in the switch. That's actually blowing up pretty well this year. I mean, someone's got to be that voice on that podcast, Garrett. I mean, Rebecca plays RPGs, but she plays older RPGs and Garrett and then Donnie, he doesn't play RPGs. Let's be real. Except for Fire Emblem. Except for Fire Emblem. (laughs) That still counts. My God. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ryan Turford on YouTube at youtube.com slash Ryan Turford. You also find this show on YouTube. Just search for the RPG cave because we don't have a custom URL yet. You also find us on Twitter at the RPG cave as well as podcast services around the globe for Garrett Bland. I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode one of the RPG cave and we out. Bye. Bye.